Hey everybody, this is Sean. This is Kevin. And it has been so long, but I would say we almost have a new season's worth of content for Shot by Shot. Right, Kevin? Yes, we've been lining up the guests and getting back to work. And our first guest to kick off this new phase of Shot by Shot is very special to all of us here on the podcast, Mr. Scotty Young. Now, Kevin, when's the first time you encountered Scotty? Well, it was it was a long time ago because he was still kind of making his name. So this would have been in like the you know mid two thousands. Wait, wait. Uh, did did you see his issue of Iceman? Yes. <laughs> yeah, me too. And then it was like you just saw him blow up after. Yeah, yeah. Because I think I met him at like Heroes Con in Charlotte, which used to be, you know, like every year um, would would go to that show, and, and there were so many new artists that were coming up around that time from. Uh, it used to be you had to go to New York or San Diego to, to see the really cool new hot guys, and, but Charlotte was the place that was sort of like the secret. And uh, yeah, so I met Scotty there. Yeah, yeah, Scotty's Scotty's amazing. His poses, his lines have so much energy and he perfected that, I would say, in his latest work that he both writes and draws, I Hate Fairyland. And that's not to diminish his further work with another one of my favorite illustrators and human beings, Jorge Corona, in Middle West and The Me You Love in the Dark. But I Hate Fairyland is kind of special right now because he recruited a bunch of folks to come and do side stories on his substack, The Untold Tales of I Hate Fairyland. Yeah, and he started off with none other than Gabriel Ba and Fabio Moon. And, and just to go ahead and have that degree of creativity and exploration. Uh, it's pretty epic. The guy is forming his own little cosmos, his own little universe, and dividing it over multiple publishers, dividing it by multiple creative voices. That's pretty brave. Yeah, no, look, Scott, Scotty's, um, you know, I think we get into this a bit on the show, but he's a unicorn. Like there's not many guys <laughs> in this industry that can do what he does. You know, it's, it's really impressive. Like I love to see it because Anytime you can see creators that take control of their, you know, of their domain, you're right. I mean, he's a great artist. He could draw books every day for the rest of his life, and he would be getting an insane page rate, you know, from Marvel, DC. Uh, yet he's doing his own stuff at Image, and then also turning around doing Substack. And yeah, who knew? He, like he's this great, talented artist, but he's writing books for other people to draw. They're good. So it's 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 really. It's fun to see that because there's just not a lot of guys out that can that can you know uh, in the industry that that can pull all that off and to run a business around it like he does and and just be such a professional like here I'm doing podcast here I've got you know doing this Facebook doing live, live streams and, yeah yeah all that stuff like I can't even figure out how that works so <laughs> yeah and the thing is that Middle West struck me it was just so vulnerable at the same time as being so imaginative and that's a skill man like being able to balance those two tastes and have them merge. That's the kettle corn. That's the sweet and the sour together. And uh, it felt like one of those old, like Dom Bluth animated movies you'd see and remember scarring you when you're like 30. But when you were 12, you'd watch it every day until you wore out the VHS. I think that takes a talent in the eye that is not common. Wait, you, you watch something on VHS? Oh, hell yeah. I, I think you think I'm infinitely younger than I actually am. You're like 12. Yeah, 12 <laughs> going on 40. All right, everybody. Here's Mr. Scotty Young. 
yeah, the Substack has been a really cool kind of fire that got lit under my ass to um, just jump in and tell some more stories. I've, I took a break from I Hate Fairyland you know, I was writing and drawing that. And for 15 issues, I didn't have an editor. So I wrote and drew it and handled everything. So I approved all the print files and image, wow. all the promo stuff. I wrote all the solicit copy because I really love to figure out how the machine works. And that way, when if I need or hire somebody else, I know what I'm hiring somebody to do. I get, Dude, I know the parts. Uh, thank you. So, you know, so it's like, but then by the time I got to 20 issues, I was like, man, I am tired like because at the, at the same time i was finishing up writing rocket raccoon and Groot at marvel with a couple artist pals and then i had started writing deadpool i did a couple year run on deadpool so i was writing a couple books writing and drawing fairyland i hate fairyland and i was like and after like you know at this point it was you know almost 17 18 years of drawing interiors at marvel i was like i think i need a break from interiors for a minute and i really thought i'd take a year and that year turned into three. I just, I kept myself busy, but it made me miss. So I, I was like, I'm going to pause. I hate fairyland. Uh, and three years later, I was like, man, I want to get back to it. And the Substack, the kind of the Substack popping up gave me, it was like a re- big sign reminder, like a big billboard outside of my studio. So you know what, get off your ass. Let's get back to that fun world. So really it, it, it was twofold i i thought about like bringing back the ongoing but i needed to figure out how i was going to do that with everything that's on my plate i knew i didn't have time to draw that but i also loved the idea of bringing in other cartoonists and you know and and letting them write and draw a couple stories based on the world that i had created and you know at first i was like i don't know if anybody's gonna want to do this and then as as i kept reaching out to people they were like oh i fucking love this and uh so that was really rad to be able to like see my friends grab a hold of some stuff and tell some stories with characters that i created and like being able to deliver it to people's inboxes through your email that's been a really cool experience you know to go out hire some dope creators play pretend with them you know like just get in there play with the play with these fantasy worlds and then once they're done boom we're just hit we're putting in a newsletter and hitting you with comics um so with the untold tales of i hate fairyland my plan was to just throw out the throw out the the lines and see who wanted to jump on i've got about 20 people at various stages of, of telling some stories um and then i thought as they come in uh, you know, well, I'm, I'm shooting for once a month to a short, for a short story and they're, you know, about 10 pagers. That's cool. Yeah. So I thought, and if more come in faster, I'll do twice a month, you know, whatever. So right now, uh, we just launched a, our fourth one today, another Dean ranking story, which probably is my favorite one so far. Uh, it's fucking hilarious, but yeah. So yeah, the Substack has been a really great way for me to kind of get my, uh, in inspiration and fire back under me to do some I hate fairyland stuff yeah well h- how is it because i mean when, when you're when you're doing stuff for um for marvel on on like the uh the writing end you mm-hmm. know i always kind of think it's uh a little a little odd for a, a natural born artist to write stuff and then see other people work on the stuff that you've written but uh but like to me, it, it seems like it's got to be a little weird to 
have that double level of you create something, you write something, and then someone else takes your creation and does writing and art with it. That's that's got to be like you know. It is. It's is strange. That was the part that I was I I was nervous about. I've written enough at Marvel. I think I started writing at Marvel about ten years ago on short stories, and then a one shot, and then a miniseries. Um, what I learned at the beginning was it it only feels weird when you don't have any controller say in who's going to be drawing your story. Ah, But very quickly as, as I started to be able to have say in my, you know, a little bit of control in my career, I got to the place where I was like, well, I will do these, but I will pick who is working on these things. So, Ah. and at that point as an artist, I, I only pick people that I already trust a hundred percent. Um, and the great thing for me as somebody who's drawn so many comic book pages is I have a natural ability to be able to pick up somebody's work. Like, you know, like Umberto Ramos is drawing strange Academy that I'm right. That I, that I created and wrote and I'm writing it at Marvel. Now, Umberto was one of my favorite artists, you know, coming out of high school when I was coming out of high school. So I have memorized everything that he's ever done. Half of my scripts just go, uh, do the Umberto uh, character reaction shot, you know, because I, ha- it's like, you know what I'm talking about. You know what I mean? Um, but like, like when I worked with Nick Klein on Deadpool, he's a really great friend of mine. He's a genius artist. And all it took was me to g- grab a couple trade paperbacks of his work without, and without reading the comics, I would just flip through and like study his choices. And you start to go like, okay, he likes, he likes four panels. He like, you know, like you give him four panels, maybe five, he's going to crush it for you. Um, he likes these shots, you know, where they're comfortable. You also know where you can challenge them. Um, so for me, I got into a real good space of just picking somebody that you trust and you know, even if they don't do what is in your head, they're yeah. crushing it anyway, you know? Yeah. Well, um, so that's helped a lot. Yeah. Well, I, I would imagine, uh, cause I think uh, as an artist, even when you're writing, you're more of a visual, you know, you're, you're going to be thinking in terms of not the interior of people, but the exterior of people. You know, right. so, um, so I would, I would imagine that, that you're probably paneling the stuff yourself subconsciously. <laughs> 100%. I mean, I think that's the great thing about having, and you know, this is the amount of times that you've looked at a page spatially, right? I mean, that's all we do is solve a blank piece of paper. Like it's like in a Rubik's cube, Rubik's cube that starts blank. And then we, we add color and solve it. Right. Um, And so what I found was writing was a version of that, but I just didn't have to do the hard work (laughs) because I think like that already. And so I, you know, um, and then when you find somebody like like Jorge Corona on R2 Creator Own Books, me loving the dark and Middle West, we just became like, you just become like, I almost have, don't even have to write very many words anymore. You know, it's just like, you know what to do here. You you read my mind or whatever, right? Like, um, but that's, that's to me, I, I love letting the artists breathe most of the time. I will write a draft and my second draft isn't me changing anything. It's just deleting my own words. Like, 
Nice. Or like when I do a lettering draft, I don't add things for the, I don't add things for the letter. I don't do a second draft of the script. What I do is just go through and tell Nate, delete these five balloons because Jorge told the story or Umberto's. Yeah. They they did it. And I don't need, my words don't need to be there now. They're, they nailed the emotion on their own. That's, it's it's crazy because uh, I I was working on a project and uh, and Michael Golden was uh, was drawing it and I was I was writing it and the weirdest thing is is like Michael Golden turned in the first few pages and when he turned in the first few pages I looked at those pages and I was just like well this is not mine anymore <laughs> yeah it's like this is it's like he has completely taken it over. And and it's like it's now a Michael Golden project, and I was just like, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to be in the credits. <laughs> right. I will say that it's funny that you say that because, um, everybody, most people think that it's it, like you said, it's going to be weird to see other people do what you write or whatever or, or or draw what you write after being so used to it. But for me, and I don't want I I never want this to feel like I'm dissing the writers that I've worked with in my career, but. It feels like the first time that I'm actually collaborating for real in a way, because as an artist, you're usually that you're the last one. And so I've never had it's I mean, outside of like a colorist giving your stuff back. But even then, I'm really I really have a real control over what I want in colors and I think in color what I'm drawing. So it's the first time in these last, you know, 10 years since I started writing especially in the last five years since I've started stopped drawing as much uh, and I'm just writing that I get to experience my own work in, in a fresh way where I know isn't the last person in line, you know, because by the time, by the time as a penciler or penciler inker and I get done with the page, like, it's not like I was there at the beginning, you know, I did a thing. I'm just handed a thing, but now like I'm writing this stuff. And like, like when I get an Umberto page, I get an Umberto page in my email every single morning. Like, oh, nice. <laughs> and it's just mind blowing. Right. And I get to experience some, like, and I will say, I look at him like, did I, did I do anything here? I mean, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a brand new thing now. <laughs> it's an out of body experience because I'm like, I know I wrote these words and I know I created this scene, but he elevated it and surprised me. And now I feel like I'm a nerd again, experiencing something for the first time. And I never got to feel that way as an artist. I was the last person to touch yeah. it, you know? Yeah. Right. So, so you actually get to be on the stage and in the audience at the same time. 100%. It's exactly that. <laughs> exactly that. But but I think I think one of the things that's cool is um is this goes back to what you said earlier, which is uh and and I always appreciate this and and I, I always love when I work with like the times that I've worked with uh, someone like Walt Simonson, is as a writer, he's been an artist, right? And he he like like you were talking about. I want to know every part of the job. I yep. want to have done every every aspect of the job so that when I give people directions, I'm giving them directions from experience and not right. from ego. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But like, you, you know what, what you're asking for. Uh, and and I, I think that's a big deal. It is a huge deal. And it, it, you know, is it's a, it's an interesting balance of making sure that we're servicing story and character and narrative, but also making sure that um, my friends are having fun. Right. Like, yeah. 
yeah. you know, sometimes draw maybe sometimes the best stories aren't the aren't the funnest to draw. <laughs> like so I'm very conscious of like if I've if I've plotted out a story, I mean, even for myself, I write full script still. So because I want to see it, I want to see the index cards laid out. And if I look and it's like, man, we're at page 10 and I've not given anybody anything fun to draw, then I've got, then I've not done my job. I got to redo, I got to rethink this. Oh, um, yeah. Because at that point, again, I'm being, I'm, I'm all up in my head, like, you know, feeling myself and, blah, 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 you know, but then I'm like, nah, they haven't drawn anything fun. I got to rethink this. And it just, it just makes it a better book than when you start thinking about your people, you know? Yeah. 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 I, I absolutely. Uh, you know, uh, agree with that. I, th- I think, and, and, you know, you know, as, as an artist, you, you kind of know what's fun, you know, you, yeah. you know, you know what those, those candy pages are, you know, what those candy right. scenes are. And it's just like, okay, I, I can't wait to, you know, right. Right. 100%. If I have to have some broccoli too, I'll take it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, you know, so there better be some dessert at the end of that. What a hundred percent. Yeah. Now I, I also wanted to, to ask you because I've, I've been kind of compiling this thing of, of like um, small town guys that have made it into comics. Right. You know? And I think, I think um, for, for all of us kind of small town guys um, who are into comics there's this sort of Greystoke kind of raised by wolves. <laughs> kind of yeah. Where, um, where like what ends up happening is we come from this small town and we don't agree with anyone in the small town and we, <laughs> wanna, and we desperately want to get out of there. Yes. And, uh, and, and comics suddenly gives us a stage that we didn't have when we were in the small town. Oh man, you are so right. I, I, I think like this, sort of problem with authority and everything comes along with that. <laughs> yes, you you are so right. I I was born and, and raised for most of my childhood in a small town in Illinois in the middle of a cornfield. Uh, it had about 3,000 people in it, you know, and we were a school that, you know, that had to let, you know, other kids from other little satellite small towns, like this town has 300 kids so they're going to come to our school this town has 90 kids exactly the same here man (laughs) right so like we had we had we had the one grocery store um you know so i basically was whatever that had is what i had for entertainment as far as publications go so it was mad magazine right and i was a and i was a paper boy and i read calvin and Hobbes. so these two things Mad Magazine changed my entire life, right? Because I was this kid in this town and I liked movies and, and the, the VHS just started, you know, VCRs just came out. And uh, that stuff was like a window in a prison. <laughs> you know, you it can- really was. It was <laughs> so then. There, were, there, were, there was movies, uh, Mad Magazine, and hip hop to me. Those three things. Wow, dude. That, that felt like, the, and it, I, I always talk about hip hop coming from this little small, absolutely wall to wall white town and <laughs> but but you nailed it which is there's a natural rebellion in you when you're when you feel creative and you feel like a creative in a town like this even as a young kid you know yeah. at at seven eight nine ten well, twelve you, you, it, the only way a small town like that can exist is everyone's got to be drone bees. You can't be creative. Yeah, you can't. Yeah. They all have to go get in line with their thermos in the thing and the thing and they clock the thing, right? It's like Fred Flintstone and this stuff, but 
So for yep. me, all of these things that I just mentioned, movies, Mad Magazine, and hip hop, for me, they were punk rock, right? Like, as I got older, I I realized at the time I didn't understand why I was so drawn to hip hop music. Um, and this is, you know, this is the beginning of it. This is the 80s. This is like yeah. the early 80s. It's It was starting. Yeah, so it was, it was like, like unalloyed hip hop. <laughs> yeah. So you're like, wait a minute, what's happening? This new music. And what I realized as I got older and I look back and study it, you realize like that, that was that era's punk. Like, yeah. you know, like Chuck D is as punk as punk anybody in punk rock music is, yeah. right? Yeah, he's the yeah. Johnny Rotten. He's 100%. And I didn't, I, I didn't, but I knew that as a kid, but did not know it. So that was my version of, of hearing people say things and have a feeling about things that I could latch onto through, through the radio outside of my little cornfield town. Yeah. And I could go up in my bedroom and I could just put on a Karis one tape or a public enemy tape and just draw and feel like I didn't live in this town. Um, that is so funny. And, and then the same thing is with Mad Magazine is you're watching the, these jokes that I probably didn't get from a lot of the years, but like I wanted to. It was giving yeah. me a reason to like think beyond my age or whatever. And then, of course, I didn't realize at the time, again, not until I was older, this magazine is filled with world class cartoonists. Like, yeah, the best illustrators on planet Earth, <laughs> like, like it, it, as far as cartoonists go in yep. this magazine that's making jokes for me as a kid. So it's like. I agree with you 100%. Like being well, that's the, the crazy thing is is like as, as a kid in this small town, you know, of like pod people, you know, it's just like I would get like Mad Magazine. I I would get like, you know, the comics kind of randomly on a spinner rack. 100%, yeah. I was the only person, you know. <laughs> like, yeah. I yeah, I had to do like I, I, the longest time I had to like I didn't share it with people, not because I thought they'd judge me, but I was like, I, they don't get it. So I was they don't like, get it. no, no. Right. And, it's, so for the longest time, I was just, a, I was a basketball, you know, I was tall as a kid. And this is the era again, Illinois during the era of Michael Jordan. It's just Illinois was instead like Texas is football, like small town football and Illinois is small town basketball. Wow. So I played, I was basketball practice before school, after school, all that. So I was in that world, but it never felt like me. I was like, man, who's going to talk to me about that new med magazine? Like, who's going to talk? Like, I was, I, you know, I'd, I'd get the comics. Like, I remember getting a grab bag. You remember back in the day, like Marvel used to take like the remainders and box them up and sell them through like the Sears catalog, right? Like, so oh, yeah. it's, it's just a random grab box. And my, my grandma or somebody was like, oh, he draws. Let's get him these comic books. <laughs> and man, there was like, alf because marvel used to publish alf oh dude and you know who and it was a fucking bill sinkevich cover like <laughs> i didn't realize until later in life I, was, I said something to somebody i was like yeah i had this alf comic once and they were like dude bill sinkevich did covers for that and i was like no i was like and i look back i was like that was the fucking comic i had and it totally bill sinkevich covers oh man uh, it was so like i found all these crazy hidden gems but that like I was so confused though, right? Because I had like an issue of Daredevil where like Typhoid Mary threw him off a bridge or something, and they everybody thought he died or something. And but I was like in elementary school, I was like, what happened before this? 
Yeah, I uh, dude. <laughs> Where do I find the next one? Like, I don't yeah, know. Couldn't. I was so confused. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'm the same way. I grew up with this. In between the stories. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was a spinner. I went to the grocery store. We call it, it was called Food World in Birmingham, Alabama. And it was <laughs> Food World was the local chain. And every Tuesday they got their new comics. And I would get home from school and I would beg my mom to go buy milk. Like, we need milk. We need <laughs> we need someone, cereal. You're just chugging milk. I get to see yeah. you running home after school before you get fucking drink that milk. <laughs> and I would bug the absolute yeah. legitimate. <laughs> yeah, man. It was I would bug the hell out of her. So she would take me to the to the grocery store and I would make the beeline to the spinner rack and see what new comics were there. And I, you know, th- there was like the ones where where you know you would end on a cliffhanger. And you just wanted to make sure you got the next issue. Right. So you'd go every week. And there would be some that you would miss because they would just not, sh- they wouldn't rack. There was, there was an Avengers comic uh, back, you know, where, uh, you know, Wanda was in the red outfit and, and you know, Vision. And, and there was a big ending was like Spider-Man guest starred. And they were all about to die by whoever the villain was. And I never saw that second part, you know, like I never knew what happened. And that just right. haunted me. <laughs> no end. But it's funny that you mentioned Public Enemy because I had the Public Enemy poster up on my wall when I was a senior, like a senior in high school. This would have been right. like 88, 89, yep. that range. Yep. And every every single person, every adult that saw me with a Public Enemy CD or, uh, you know, the poster on my wall. I remember one of my friends um you know and, and this was it sounds bad to say i guess but I, it was my the one of this black friend of mine that would he came over i had had black friends like oh the white guy with black friends right but his mom comes <laughs> well, you're over birmingham you right probably go have some black friends right well yeah it, i guess i was the progressive guy you know because we had came yeah. over to spend the night and stuff but uh his mom walks into my room to pick him up you know to come she came over and so she came into the room to to get to get robert and she's like <gasps> why do you have that public enemy? They're horrible. And she starts going, I'm like, well, it's bad enough that my mom says it, you know, and now, and <laughs> I got other moms, other moms. It's so funny, but yeah, the, the public enemy, the public enemy target is one of the first things that I memorized how to draw when I was, oh, like, yes. oh, when I just sit in my notebook and just figure out how to do the little the dude, the target. Now I just be like, why did I try so hard to do those perfect circles? Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> but, but you know, the, the cool thing about it is, is I think, um, I, I think that sort of upbringing um, ignites a little bit of um, anger that we manage to deflect into creativity. And, uh, and e- even, um, you know, um, when, when I look at your fairyland stuff, I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> you know, I was like, this is it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I've definitely, I've definitely channeled fairyland was definitely channeling, um, uh, multiple levels of, of, I guess I'll use the word frustration for lack of a better word. But when I first started developing that, I was, uh, a new dad and wow. also was hitting a zone in my career where I wasn't doing anything for myself, I was been working for Marvel for a long time, and I love working for Marvel. I mean, they, these people are my family. I've been there for 21 years now, so um, it wasn't a complaint. But I was like, "Oh man, I'm I, I'm not doing what I always thought I would be doing, which is I was in I, I came up on Image Comics. I thought that you just made your own stuff yeah. and did it. So I hadn't done that yet. So like creating Fairyland was like 
a mixture of like me raging against not having my own thing. So her being stuck in a world that's seemingly perfect, right? Like everybody wants to be in fairyland. It's a world where everything's possible. And it's, you think you always want that. So it's a little bit of a metaphor for, well, everybody wants to be working at Marvel and drawing Spider-Man and doing the things. And, and, and I was, and, and it's awesome. And, but also there's a part of you that doesn't, that wants to be doing another thing, but then I'm also a dad now. And my house is filled with the worst toys imaginable <laughs> that make the worst music, like digitized and it repeats and it repeats. And you're like, Oh my God. Like, because you just walk by it and the sensors pick up and it goes off again. Oh man. Um, or like, and then the, you know, I thought I think I think Yo Gabba Gabba was a great show, but when you watched you know even a great episode four hundred times, you're like what was and then so for me it was like I go to work, I I live in a world of pretend, I come home I've got a little kid who's I'm, I'm in a world of pretend like and and really it was I was like man am I am I thirty five or am I or am I ten like I don't know anymore. And so Fairyland was a lot of that. <laughs> right. And at the time I had, I was, I was adapting the Oz graphic novel, the Oz novels into graphic novels with Eric Schenauer. So, so my day to day was drawing for six years was drawing Dorothy in oh, Oz. Dude. And you're just like, God, I don't know what is real anymore. <laughs> you, know? you got like three hours of reality per day. <laughs> right. Yeah. So Fairyland was definitely something that came from that. And then Middle West was a whole different beast of me still looking at my life. And that was very much about coming from a small town and a character who um, has a very um, difficult relationship with an abusive father. And, and But exploring... So many times we tell stories of abuse and it's just that we put a, we put a twirl, you know, a curled mustache on the, on yeah, the, yeah. the abusive parent. And then we just say they're bad and, and look at all the trauma that I have because of that. And Middle West was very much me trying to explore those parts of my childhood, but really look at the gray part of what that is, you know, yeah, yeah. you know, trying to find the reasons, not the excuse you know, but find the reasons where you can look at somebody and be like, man, I mean, it's not okay that this happened, but I can now understand why it happened. Like, well, I mean, you're not making it evil. Right. Because there's a chain, like these things are chains. You know what I mean? It's like this thing, these things start generations ago and each generation carries a thing on. And so really that book was me looking at my life, trying to figure out a way to tell a story about attempting to break a chain. Yeah. Um, of of you know of how to deal with anger how to deal with emotions how to deal with your past or how to not carry it on to, to the next generation so um yeah almost every story that i've done so far it, you know i'm not i'm not as talented as most of my friends who just can sit down and seemingly brainstorm up like seven monthly books right like i'm still like i'm still kind of mining my all my stuff that i've been through you know yeah, the Gaijin guys, when we first started seeing your stuff on, on Human Torch, um, I think the consensus that he's like nitroglycerin, you know, it's it's like, <laughs> right. if he like, you know, manages to control this thing, it's going to be insane. Oh, I appreciate it. Or that. he's going to blow himself up. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, uh, it was up in the air for a while. Um, I mean, my story really is like, and I appreciate that. 
I mean, it, it's actually like the nerd part of me, because I loved all of you guys. The nerd part of me is like, oh, my God, you guys knew who I was. Because <laughs> I just yeah, yeah. I just felt like a, like at this point, I had moved to Chicago. And I mean, I took my first Marvel. It was it was hard for me because I got launched onto the Marvel stage pretty quick because Marvel was I thought I'd get a job at Marvel and then I'd play the background for a while while I actually learned how to draw. Like I did not really all the beginning of I didn't go to school. And back then you got you you guys remember the internet barely had started. Like yeah, yeah. There was not YouTube. There wasn't resources to figure this stuff out. And if you were there were a couple of like slick magazines and that was it. <laughs> yeah. And so like I was still at a stage in my life where and this isn't being so humble, I was genuinely still trying to learn how to draw. Like and so I just happened to know the right person at the right time. And I'm good in the room, right? Like, yeah, if, you, yeah. if, if you put me in the room, I'm going to walk out with somebody's money. I got it. Somebody's <laughs> going to give me money. <laughs> so I ended up getting a job at Marvel and then like, be like, like, hey, do you think you could turn around this issue? Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, of course. I was like, then I got off the phone. I'm like, holy, what did I just do? So oh, man, that's crazy. So I literally did, a, I did one issue of Iceman. Then I got a Spider-Man miniseries because- and then the Human Torch. Now, the Human Torch and Spider-Man stuff were very manga. I didn't even read manga. But because I drew cartoony, yeah. like Bill Jemis and that, they were like, well, that's manga, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, manga was taking the world by storm. Yeah. And Marvel was trying to figure out how to get a piece of that and get that world. So I really benefited from where they wanted to try the kind of the market, the market share that they wanted to try to grab. I benefited from that because they slotted me in there. Yeah. Um, so the human torch stuff, I remember being just, it was, I think I did that for a couple arcs and I remember every issue almost looked completely different because I was looking for myself. Oh yeah. 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 Like I was like, well, am I, who do I want to be this? Do I want to be Chris Pacello now? Or do I want to be Umberto? There was, I went through my Jason Pearson phase. Like, you know, you're like, you were, you were going through it, man. You were, and, uh, and, and that's, that's the cool thing is, is um, one of the things that I think um, that people don't really realize about Gaijin is we were just interested in the craft. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's it's just like we were we were a complete ship of fools because people would like back up to the studio with wheelbarrows of cash, and we'd go, "No, <laughs> we're trying to learn something here." <laughs> um, which I think kept us all fanboys, right? So so we were all paying attention to the new guys coming in. And we were just as jazzed about everyone um, that was coming in, and uh, and it was weird because I think it was um, it was Cully who first brought um, brought me a book of yours, mm-hmm. and I flipped through it, and I was just like, whoa, you know, it was it was almost like you know looking at the Human Torch stuff and kind of going, okay, is this guy gonna gonna pull this off, you know? And and then and then the next issue was just like, oh, he's building something. <laughs> It's wild when you go back. If you, when I go back and I look, because since the funny thing is, is, I was like at least living in a world where that was out of print, you know, because it was <laughs> old and it was out of print. And then I had to go and fuck around and get like a name later in life. So they're yeah. like, "Hey, <laughs> let's go back and reprint some old Scotty shit." And I'm like, "Fuck no, <laughs> let's get in the wayback machine." And- yeah. So all of a sudden, like that's back in trade. And I look at that, and I mean now. I, I, 
you know, as a student, as somebody who still is a nerd and loves art, I can, I will never, I'm never like, don't look at that. What I say is like, look at that. If there's an example of being able to achieve something and not having, not being able to understand it yet at the beginning, you could look at my career as that. Like, and I think you could go back to almost all of us. I mean, even some of my favorite people, when I go back and look at the early stuff, as much as I revere, I mean, if you look at, I mean, Jason's a good example, right? right? If you look at body bags, it's, it's always been brilliant, but it's nowhere near his level of genius that he's, they became like, Oh yeah. Yeah. And then, and then when you look even back at his Legion stuff, it's just like that stuff, that stuff, it doesn't seem like that stuff would cast the shadow that became body bags. Right. right. And I, and I think one of the cool things is, when you see an artist that's just going for it, you know, just absolutely going for it. And that's, that's one of the things that, um, that got me excited about your stuff early on is I could tell that you were just like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm jumping out of planes. (laughs) It really was. I'm jumping out, you know, there's something very, again, I, I, I credit that to, I credit that to the ballsiness of Mad Magazine, which was just like, we're going to take swings at everybody, you know? And, and again, this is pre DC owning man magazine, right? Like this is, oh, yeah. yeah. This and there's is like a lot of, there's a lot of like Drucker and, you know, sort of all that stuff, you know, sort of in the way that you draw eyes. 100%. Yeah. 100%. There's uh Drucker, um, uh, Duck Edwing, like uh, yeah. Jack Davis, like all of it, th- that DNA is in me. But not just the way they move their lines, but the 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 going and swinging for it uh, on what they're saying. I always got it from that. And again, then there's hip hop, which is from a very young age, uh, connecting with this genre of music that is part storytelling, part braggadocio, bravado. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and and then growing up in that, um, and then eventually in high school, I had moved to Tennessee where my mom lived and went to a much bigger high school. So then I became part of a very, very diverse world. So then I got to like really live in the world that I had been viewing through the telescope, like the, you know, (laughs) like the periscope while I was like, it's way over there. And, and so there was, there definitely was, I always say a very youthful arrogance to me, even though I was 100%, like I would read reviews and I wouldn't be like, fuck them they're wrong i'd be like fuck they're so right like <laughs> you know what i mean i mean i wouldn't say it publicly i wouldn't be like oh blah, blah, poor me because i always thought it was a bad idea to publicly say you don't draw good like it's like yeah. don't go tell people don't go tell potential job pe- the hires to, that you're bad at what you did yeah, don't convince them you suck. right <laughs> but i would read reviews and i was aware it's like man they don't know how right they are in fact i could give them a couple more things right about that i'm not there yet yeah. right but but there was that that old school like no you go out there and you go out there in the best way you can and say i'm the dopest person who's ever done this even before you are like yeah. one of my favorite rappers is aesop rock and oh, <laughs> he, he blows my mind and since and over the years we've become friends and one of my favorite lines of his and and he explained everybody thinks that aesop rock is this crazy intellectual that sits around reading books all the time totally the opposite. He, he like watches TV and movies and that's about it. Right. But he, he said once all he does is find a different way to say the same things that everybody else does. Uh-huh. So 
in one of his songs, he says, this fallen angel could stitch a broken wing with a shoestring. Now, the first time you hear that, you're like, whoa, what? Like this fallen angel could stitch a broken wing with a shoestring. And he goes, that sounds like I read books, but all I'm saying is I'm the dopest MC. That's how dope. That's how dope I am. I'm so dope. I could fix this bird's wing with my ratty ass Converse shoestring. Sweet. And that made me go, that made me realize like, oh, that's all we're all trying to do is like, we're all just trying to have the most bravado, even though that's not probably how we really feel, but we're just trying to project that art out there like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and and one of the things that um, that I always consider in, in in the arc of your work, when I first started seeing your stuff, uh, it seemed like it was really more about the visuals, you know, more about, okay, visually, I got to do this, visually, I got to do this. Um, but when I first met you, uh, and and that was actually in um, at a MegaCon also. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, and I remember a bunch of us just kind of like hanging out in um in somebody's hotel room. Um, but what was cool was I was just like, this dude's got something to say, right? You know. Uh, and and as soon as those two disparate things kind of connect together, that's going to be awesome. You know, when when all of this stuff that you have to draw and all of this stuff that you have to say, and and it's kind of weird because like when when I first saw you, I was just like, well, okay, clearly this guy's a goon. (laughs) (laughs) You're not wrong. (laughs) But but then, then, you know, kind of like just talking to you because we talked about like artists and all that stuff. I was just like, oh, okay, okay. Uh, Honestly, the last probably decade, I think at some point, you cross the streams. Absolutely. I, I remember you guys know, you guys know Karan Grant. Yeah. Yeah. So Karan and I came up together. We were part of that, part of that. We call that class, right? Like we were the yeah. class, kind of the class behind Gaijin where we were like, we're going to do, we, we want groups and things like that. So Karan and I would spend, again, this is before FaceTime, before Skype, all that. We would hop on the phone and just headpiece and talk while we would draw and i remember in those early years i would say i gotta remember i came up on not the best stories like i came up in the era where art artists were just swinging and just smashing windows yeah um and so i told karan and i always remember this because i'm such an idiot i was like (laughs) man fuck a story i just want shit to look awesome like you know what i mean now that was me saying that because a i was draw i was always drawing other people's stories and again that youthful arrogance is i was like yeah but what about me you know so i'm just like i wanted this i want this to look great and then you flash forward years later and i'm the exact opposite now like yeah i'm almost i i've actually said i actually don't care anymore what my lines look like i don't i just care if you pick up the narrative that they're servicing like you know, I am telling a story. Now, part of that is because at some point, at some point you learn how to do this. And so you're no longer thinking about hiding behind style, right? Yeah. Which, yeah. which is, you don't know that you're hiding behind style, but I was so focused on having a style that to distract you from the fact that I didn't necessarily know how to do all the things yet. Um, right. But still, like, I, again, I grew up playing basketball and I would have my dad would make me go out and shoot uh, 50 free throws. I had to make 53 free throws every day. Um, and at first it took me fucking forever. Like, right. Fucking seven years old, eight years old. Like it took me forever. But at some point I had done that motion so many times 
that you just, I, I could just look to the side and talk to you and do it because, and that's to me, it's, it's the 10,000 hours theory too, right? It's like yeah. at some point. And so once it got to that point, I stopped worrying about, it's like when you could clear all the comics off your table, like, you know, I took Claire Wendling and put her back on the bookshelf and, you know, took my, my Jason Pierce's and my stuff freezes and all my oh, yeah, people those put things them back. Aren't problems for you anymore. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You put it all back and then you just like, I'll solve my own problems. And that problem is a narrative that I want to create. And that's when it changes over. And now it's like, this story might be a brushing story. This story might be more scribble style. And now I don't care. I think now I think it's I used to I used to be so dead set on somebody going, I can recognize your stuff from anywhere. And now I'm actually surprised when people say I can recognize your every time I see your drawings, I recognize it because I don't I so don't think about that anymore that I'm actually surprised when people say it because to me, I draw everything slightly different now. Yeah. Yeah. You know? but, but I think the, um, the cool thing about it is, is, is even though you draw things different, I think you're pure to the feeling. That you're yeah. trying to create, and I think, so. and I think, I think a lot of times with uh, with great uh, with 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 artists, and I, you know, maybe it's not a good idea to say great artists, but but with artists who figured it out, I think you start recognizing their stuff less with your eyes and more with your heart. I agree with uh, that, and yeah, I think um, I think I think Bill Sienkiewicz is one of the greatest examples because. That guy has never done a single panel the same way. <laughs> you know? I know. But you you instantly recognize his stuff, whether it's pen and ink, paint, you know, right. pencil, whatever. You can just look at something and go, oh, that's Bill Sienkiewicz. Now let me take a closer look and see what it is. Yeah, you're so right with that because I remember like seeing the Bobby Digital, you know, Riz's Bobby Digital cover. Oh, and I was just like, that doesn't look. Like, if you look at that, that's not a 100% like Sienkiewicz piece, but it is. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, even though it doesn't match what you're used to with him, you, I was like, is that a Bill piece? And you're like, yes, it totally is. Um, yeah, the signature is only giving you the confirmation at that. Right, right. Oh, man. Yeah. He's a, uh, that guy's a genius, man. And one of the nicest people on planet Earth. Oh, dude. Like, dude. I, that guy, when you look at his art, for so long and it's like so great and and then like you, you read straight toasters it's like the most so like just out of this world wacky thing you're like i don't know what i'm getting ready to meet like i don't know oh you yeah. know what i mean and then you meet him and you're like no way are you this guy like no way <laughs> yeah well the the, co the coolest thing is um is like gaijin all the gaijin guys are to bill sinkevich as you guys were to us. Right. <laughs> so when I first met Bill Sienkiewicz, you know, it was like, hey, excuse me, but can I worship you for a little while? <laughs> yeah, I remember, that's how I felt. I remember the first time it was in San Diego that I met Jason Pearson. And I entered, somebody that knew him introduced me to him. So at least it was like, a, and he was at his table. So it was like at least a bridge in, intro to where it wasn't yeah, just yeah. me fanboying out. You know what I mean? Um, and I remember the, the right out of the gate, I was like, oh, I'm a big fan. Blah, blah. He's like, yeah, no, I see this. And he was like talking about panels. And I, one he specifically talked about, he was like, yeah, yeah, you're, you're getting it. You know what I mean? He's instantly giving me notes all of a sudden, but I knew what he was saying because he referenced the panel. And I was like, yeah, that's a, that's a, 
it was like a panel of speedball from new warriors delivering a pizza and he goes he's like man every time you do something it's never this or this it's always this and i was like he literally just posed one of my drawings i was like how this dude's looking at my stuff like that like he just and i was like that's when like i said it, it started in a lot of ways it started to remind me that we all are one big circle that it yeah, keeps going yeah. and to never buy into the, the stuff, right? Like never buy into like, you're the last in line. Like somebody came before me and somebody's going to come after me. Like, Oh yeah. yeah. Like yeah. make sure that you're always like, and that made me feel like, Oh man, he's still doing the work. And I'm like that now where I'm like, all right, I'm in my, I'm in my mid forties. There's some beasts out there. Like, oh, dude, yeah. <laughs> these kids, man, these kids have come up with all the stuff. Like, <laughs> I'm like, dude, how do you do this? You know? Oh yeah, yeah, it's 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 killing me. I think when you have that um, that mentality, you know that um, because that's 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 a hunger that I think a lot of times people accidentally feed and it kills their career. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. Um, I think when when you're constantly chasing it and you've constantly got this emotion, you know, that you want to put on the page. Right. Um, it's just like, I'm, I'm the same way. It's just like, I, I will never hang up the sword. <laughs> well, I tell you, that's what, that's the other part of me that, that drew me to writing is writing more as well on the side. And now it's taken over the last three years, but this coming year is a lot more di- divided, but is I did have so many things I wanted to say. And I knew I was not going to have time if yeah. I, if I had to draw them all, you know, and then something like middle West, people often ask like this is such a personal story almost like autobiographical how did you let somebody else draw it when you can draw and i said i don't know that i would have been able to tell the story that i told wow so intimately had i drawn it i think i would have not liked living with it that long because when you draw something you're you're in it like yeah dude you know you're in it for you're in that you know you're in that emotion for a long time (laughs) and so for middle west i was able to you know tap into some some hard stuff for a couple days and then walk away for a month yeah or you know or write a couple scripts in a row and then walk away for two months and like let it calm down a little bit and then you know and then like the last issue with there's just a lot of like things and my dad had you know my I wanted to, I was going to tell the story years and years ago, but my dad passed away in, in 2011 and I just felt guilty. I felt bad oh, for wow. trying to tell a story that doesn't put him, I mean, because we were, we were, fr- we were, we were fine near the end of his life. So I just felt bad for telling a story like that. So it took me a long time to get to a place to tap into some of that stuff, but there was a lot of stuff in the last issue that I got to say, through the book that you can't say anymore because they're being gone and so like had i had to draw that after writing i mean because i wrote it and i was like i'm i wrote it in a bar i'm just like bawling in a bar writing and but i don't know that i would have want to sit up in that for you gotta gotta, it's it's staying in it's staying in something like that for that long is just not good for you (laughs) right and so having who i love like a brother take it but that was he's he can tap into the emotion and he's going to care for it because of how much we care for each other but it's not the same thing for him so he can live in it you know and so that that's some real special stuff i think that that i've gotten to exercise now 
stepping away from the art side, but it's only got me more excited to go back and like toy around and get back picking up the brush and the pens and everything. Yeah. And, uh, and is, isn't it just, um, and again, you know, I, I, I say this as, as a fellow small towner that, isn't it bizarre that we get to do this? It's so wacky, dude. Like, <laughs> you know, it doesn't even make any sense. Like, you know, it doesn't make when any sense. When I was a kid, I didn't think it was a job. I didn't think you could hold this job. Because that's what your parents told you. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Like, we here, so it's Stupid Fresh Mess. So, you know, I years ago, I started doing... Well, I started doing the conventions and, and again, my, my art style is not something that I'm not going to get the job on the Avengers. Like, you know, I was very much like every six to 10 months, I didn't know what my next job was going to be. So I'd side hustle and animation or then the convention scene started to become a pretty big thing. So I've, you know, I, listen, I am a kid who rented out my cassette tapes in sixth grade to my student, like my classmates, like I've been a hustler since day one. <laughs> right. So conventions made sense to me like oh this is kind of like selling mixtapes to college kids right yeah. like, so i just thought of it in that way so i kind of started that hustle then when i started doing kind of daily sketches uh scott morse was like we should sell these every day and i was like i don't know people would buy them and he was like yeah it's like a convention sketch i was like yeah that's cool and so we started that 12 years ago and i mean so i've been doing that and then I, like as i was like man now it was started as a hundred dollars a sketch is not it's way more than that now but that got me the idea. So now I have a company and have employees and I pay salaries and everything. Like this is outside of comic books. And so I still, every day I will like, sometimes Casey and I'll be sitting there watching TV and I'll just be like, can you fucking believe that we do this? Like we play pretend on paper and like us and other people make a living doing it. It doesn't even make any sense to me because you're, I say the exact same thing. I I'm a kid from a cornfield town in Illinois and now, like, people in other countries talk about me when I don't know about it. <laughs> like, it's, yeah. it's bizarre. But truly, you're, you're a unicorn in this industry. Like, there's not a lot of, lot of guys that can do what you're doing. Oh, um, them, you know, I mean, it's true. I mean, like, for, for somebody to, to, I mean, I know a lot of comic book creators, writers, artists, businessmen. The, the ones that can actually pull all that together even like me that, that, that runs the business side of stuff, who right. is a creative at heart, but doesn't, I was smart enough to realize that I wasn't, you know, that, that wasn't my path. Right. But to be able to pull all those things together, I mean, holy shit, there's not many people that can do Well, thanks, that. man. I mean, you, you kind of nailed it though. It is about realizing what you're good at and what you're not. And what yeah. I'm good at hustler, but then there's a part of me that's like, it stops at a point and I, I don't know how to put all the pieces together or I do, but I don't want to, cause it's not the fun part. Um, right. So uh, the thing that happened over the last couple of years is, uh, you know, we've met our friend, uh, Megan, who looks like she's pulling up for the live stream in a minute. Um, but, but, but our friend Megan, and I was like, you know, she, she was in marketing and left when she had kids and just kind of had a part-time job. But I was like, I have an idea. Like, what if, what if you came and worked for me? And, and, and at that point I was like, I did not know this is work. So I was scared to death. Like I'm going to offer somebody a salary and do the thing, but um, it, she ended up being just putting all the pieces. Like I throw out all the, like, like you said, like I'm swinging for it. Like I'm throwing all the things out. She grabs it all, goes in her office, figures out how it all works. And then uh, yeah. So it's, it's kind of what you said, Kev, just like figuring out what you're good at figuring out what you need to be brave enough to let somebody else take over 
and, right. and, and then, yeah, just work your ass off and hope for the best. And most people are scared to give that stuff up though. That's the thing. That's, like, right. because we're a lot of artists and writers and like, we like we work, you know, or I'd say they work right. in, and like, I work by myself. It's me in the studio. I do my thing and right. to give up control of anything is right. so scary. So I, I applaud you for taking the, uh, well, thanks. You know, taking well, the, again, it's, it's you know. about finding it's just like it is with, with the artists. It's about finding somebody that you already trust, you know, you trust with your kids and you trust with your, your people. And, and if you can find that, then you could trust them with, with some money. I mean, right. that's, it's a whole different ball game. So it's like, that's, we, we've been lucky here and it's worked. And, and I mean, it, it's only worked because we have such a great reader base and fan base that's super supportive of us. So it's, it's been a, it's been an awesome ride. Yeah. Well, and, and really, I think to wrap this whole thing up, one of the things that I think is, is the thing to really kind of freak out about is that now you've become the public enemy. You've become, <laughs> you know, you've become the comic in Iraq. Right. You've become the, um, the, the thing that is going to encourage people to do the thing that, that, that you did, you know, that that's going to, that's going right, to echo right. that anger, you know, sort of you're the scenery outside the prison window, <laughs> which is awesome. Right. I mean, it's, it's so cool to, to, again, be a part of the circle. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and do what you guys have done and what you said, build it and just keep handing it back down and say, Hey, listen, uh, I've, I've got the keys to the, I've got the keys to the house. Let me kick this back door open for you and come on oh, in. Yeah, come, yeah. In, well, come inside and fuck some shit up, you know? Yeah. It's, it, it's, it's awesome to see these, uh, young guys with like, you know, sort of black beards <laughs> and, and gorgeous full heads of hair. <laughs> you kind of go, that was me. That was that me. Was, I used to have that color hair too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It used to have hair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, I have to hit the road. I'm going to be honest with you. This was awesome. And I'm. Uh, you guys are probably going to get sick of me emailing you to come back on and just bullshit with you guys. No, I was about to say, like, I mean, I know you got stuff coming up and, and usually these are long haulers. And uh, I know we were trying to squeeze it in to get you on, but we would love to have you back when you. I will come back and I will come back and lay up with you guys for as many hours as you want. It, it, we just have our Wednesday night live stream that we we do that we we, we have regular. But honestly, Sean, you know, any of you guys email me, this is my kind of jam. So I'll, we'll, we could talk movies, TV shows, and cool. it could be a lot less just me centric. But I'd love to come and hang out with you guys. Yeah, totally. I, I mean, awesome. you can do it when you have your uh, relaunch of uh, I Hate Fairyland. Cool. Sounds good to me, man. Cool. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll have you guys come over to on a my live stream one once oh, in a while. Yeah. Pick pick a time. We'll do it. All right. Man. All right. Well, I'll email you guys this week for sure. Cool. All right. Take it easy, man. Bye, Bye guys. guys. It was man. great. Thank Bye. you so much. All right, guys. Well, that was another great episode of Shot by Shot. A uh, little little brief from uh, the way we usually do these, but uh, hopefully we can get Scotty back soon. That was a blast. Uh, and we've got a really cool and a little bit different um, guest for the next one. We have uh, Naomi Baker, who's a former character designer at Netflix. She started, uh, went through there at Marvel Studios doing concept art. And now she is the senior biz dev illustrator at Marvel Studios. So amazing artist who just does some, just such cool stuff. And uh, you know, we're really excited to you know, stretch our wings a little bit and talk to somebody. Yes, this is an artist, but not a traditional comic book artist, but somebody that if you're watching Marvel stuff, you're seeing her amazing work. Oh yeah, like this is straight up eye candy. 
If you're curious, go to Instagram and search for Naomi Full, N-A-O-M-I-F-U-L, and prepare just to have your ocular interpreters be overwhelmed in, in this beauty, this beautiful digital art beauty. Uh, it is something else. Yeah, uh, it's it's not often where, um, like, when you just, I'll scroll through Instagram feed and see stuff, and uh, I got on her page, and I just, like, sucked in. It's like one of those, you just go on the page, and you just scroll and look at every single illustration that's up there and just drooling on the screen. <laughs> so, uh, she's great. Yeah, totally. All right, thanks, everybody. We'll be around hopefully a lot sooner than we were last time. Yes. All right. See you guys soon. Bye.